the New Zealand Tech Podcast. Brought to you by Gorilla Technology. Proactive and strategic IT. Greetings and welcome along to the New Zealand Tech Podcast. We're at episode 465, I believe, today. Is that... uh, Boy, they're they're ticking along. Um, Welcome to the show, Bill Bennett. Hi, Paul. Great, great to have you uh, back. It's been a little while since we've had a chance to uh, catch up on the podcast. Months, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's uh, it's great, great to see you, and always good to hear your insights and opinions. Lots to lots to chat about, at, as always. Um, we've we've tried to kind of keep the agenda though not uh, not too crazy. First first thing up this week that I wanted to delve into a little bit is this. Uh, political advertising ban from Twitter. Now, there's been all sorts of uh, discussion and you know, varying media around why this is happening. Uh, I guess there's been the 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 normal uh, sort of questions that would that are that are asked, be they by cynical people or otherwise, around well, you know, how much advertising is Twitter going to lose uh, by by banning political advertising and it's suggested that number is reasonably small yeah look i think the thing is it's all kinds of problems with that idea i mean what is a political advertisement when does it stop do you know i um today i voted for my new zealand bird of the year you know the bird of the year thing yeah right yeah. and i noticed that what, I did noticed you vote, what did you vote for um mainly albatrosses okay yep, yep. <laughs> yeah but now albatrosses and doctorals yeah yep. right um because you're allowed to you're allowed to vote for five now yes right and um i noticed right that um i think it's one of the political parties i think it's the green party wants everyone to vote for a particular bird right now if that appeared on twitter would that be a political advertisement <laughs> you know and there's a whole lot of very sort of you know gray areas and there's a there's a huge amount of gray areas about what is a political advert is it a political advert if you're campaigning against the tax you know and so on so i think the problem is is that actually policing that is going to be quite hard now it's a good idea i mean i'm all for it i think it's actually something twitter i mean it's a lovely thing that twitter's done to score points off of facebook that way as well by the way yeah it makes facebook look, look bad uh, bad but everything makes facebook look yeah. bad <laughs> <laughs> poor, poor facebook yeah yeah well no not poor facebook very rich facebook <laughs> but but seriously um it does make facebook look bad and it's a good it's a and it's a good gesture by twitter what i think is going on here though is i think twitter is is actually working at being the good social media company i think that's something that's deliberate and strategic and when the guy jack dorsey came here to meet jacinda it was about twitter being the good responsible social media company zuckerberg Agreed. doesn't go it doesn't turn up even when he's summoned to parliaments doesn't turn up and they thinks he doesn't have to be good or, or responsible or whatever he thinks that you know responsibility is for little people but um um I'm I'm sure there's a there's a bit of a difference though in terms of the the size and scale of Facebook, the, yeah, the, ten their times value the and so on. Easily. So yeah. there, there's probably a little bit less of of uh, or or more demand on Mark Zuckerberg than there than there would be on of, Jack Dorsey. Of would, course would, there is, would but be, the thing is, is um, yeah, that part of that picture. But yeah, he does appear to sort of they um, want to be good. Yeah, right. Yeah. They want to be good. They want to be you know the friendly neighbourhood. Mm. Social media, yeah, and that's good, and it's a good thing. That's a, that's smart marketing, yeah, right. Yeah. And it's probably good for democracies as well to, to be like that. Um, how they police it, I've got no idea. I well, mean, that's supposed to be released over the next week or two, isn't it? Yeah, We're I mean, my feed is detail. full of people on both sides of the parliament. I follow politicians on you know all all four sides of parliament. And uh, partly because of my job, and I'm a journalist, I need to see what those people are saying and thinking. Um, quite a lot of what they say and do is definitely political, but I suspect that if you just tweet something, that doesn't actually count. Mm, mm, mm. Yeah, well, I, you know, I think that the uh, the political side of social media has got good and bad to it, hasn't it? And what uh, Dorsey was was saying is that he thinks, well, 
let's take the advertising out and let the the content yeah. that's truly good float to the top. Now, there's a degree to which I agree with that, but then there's also the the echo chamber type thinking. Now, you and I, you know, and I'm sure you know a chunk of our listeners would follow a you know a broad mix, yeah. but. That's not the case across the whole population, and no, and you've got to be conscious of it to do it as well. Yeah, yeah. and that that's probably uh, you know part of the challenge, and that the you know the general public aren't necessarily going to get that broader view if you're you know, put, uh, you know, particularly left leaning or particularly right leaning, then you're likely to mostly be seeing content down that track yeah. the sort of people that you follow are going to probably retweet and in, in, in line with that um, I, you know I don't know too many people in New Zealand who would be retweeting Trump especially um, but you know Republican views I mean I think oh, it you happens know, <laughs> sure yeah. but I think you know broadly you you you, yeah. uh, you look at it in New Zealand and you're going to be getting a more uh, uh, you know le- left leaning probably yeah, viewpoint no, on, well, no, I've got on Twitter would, would be my would be my pick but uh, Facebook is more consciously more deliberately manipulative in the in what you get to see right that's part of its shtick that's what made Cambridge Analytica rich and now out of business. You know, that's 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 definitely part of the mix. That's, and that's part of what um, Facebook does is they make, you know, they they have this formula for getting you angry and getting you engaged, right? They It is manipulative. Um, same thing goes for YouTube. I mean, it's funny because I was looking at some YouTube videos about something completely unrelated to politics. It was absolutely not even in that ballpark and yet pretty soon two or three down the list of suggested things were like crazy stuff about you know there being a the the, the world is in fact donut shape and there are flying saucers coming out in the middle you know that, you know, that kind of stuff fantastic uh, bill you could have yeah, you might have learned something about this donut earth of ours <laughs> yeah but but there was there were also sort of um extremist political rants from yeah, the far okay. right in there as well yeah and it's got Absolutely nothing, no connection with anything with what I was looking at. I mean, I was I was actually looking at you know stuff about early house music. You know, I mean, how it's completely divorced from um, Republican politics, and yet there, there it is. There, maybe they know something about you, Bill, that you didn't know about yourself. Well, yeah, it could be. <laughs> but you know what I'm saying, though. Yeah, there's yeah. there's that sort of level of manipulation. Yes. Twitter, by and large, is not as manipulative a format as Facebook or or YouTube. I don't like the fact that on the Twitter Twitter iOS app that you start to get these sort of recommended tweets rather than your actual timeline. I don't mm, like mm, that, mm, mm. Um, but it's but it's it's not filled with sort of hate and bile and let's get people really cross stuff. Um, but no, I I think Twitter. I think Twitter. You know, let's put it down to good marketing, sensible marketing. Mm, mm. I think. The, the point that they raised, though, with this uh, manoeuvre is that there really is quite a big risk on when, when we look at the impact on democracy of social media advertising and, and its ability to zoom in on what is generally a small percentage of the population – who are those voters who are sitting on the fence, and whoever, whoever's basically—I don't know if "smarter" is the is the right way to put it—but whoever is able to get the right data sets and the right settings, and then uh, possibly through content that isn't isn't fully truthful. Uh, convince people to change their 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 viewpoints, and, yeah. and that sort of thing certainly for me leaves me feeling, hey, yeah, this is th- yeah. this is good. Thumbs up to thumbs yeah, up to Twitter here. Thumbs down, uh, you know, a dislike to uh, to to Facebook for yeah. creating this position. And and look, you know, we look at the results of the U.S. election. We look at the results of Brexit. You know, these are both things that are under a cloud of. You know, um, can, concern around Cambridge Analytica's involvement and the way that the re- results were maybe brought about through manipulative advertising. Yeah, and some of that isn't necessarily directly relevant to the issues in front of you during an election. So, 
for example, um, you know, some of the some of the tweets around the Brexit time was actually some of, sorry, not not some of the tweets, some of the social media content that you would see in order to um, influence you to vote against, um, you know, for to leave. Uh, Europe for the British to leave Europe was things like pictures of queues at the Turkish border of people wanting to emigrate or refugees coming in from the Middle East and so on. Now that's not actually directly related to Brexit. But Pretty hard to categorise and put it into the band category I, I, I imagine. Yeah but it's just that sort of little fearful thing going on mm. you know well perhaps if we don't act these people are going to end up on our doorsteps and that there is a there's a there's a kind of person who that is just you know just red mist comes down before in front of their eyes so that so that's what i meant about manipulative but it doesn't the manipulation doesn't necessarily have to be directly related to what's in front of you in in terms of an election so mm, mm. so yeah i think you know two thumbs up for uh for twitter possibly three mm. good good now uh, google a small acquisition that they're making, a particular wearables company known as uh, Fitbit, who have sold quite a ton of devices over the last few years. Uh, certainly, when I look around, if someone is wearing, you know, a, a gadget that's that's not a, a traditional watch, what are you wearing? Yours looks like it. I'm wearing a traditional old-fashioned watch. Yeah, I, I like. I see. See that that that's a real watch right yeah. there. I've um, gone back to these after yeah. having tried those things. Yeah, <laughs> um, but I—I I, I mean, I'm always—I'm always curious, and you know me, I like to be testing some 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 gadget or or other. And uh, look, Fitbit have been impressive in that they you know they keep releasing new devices. They've got a broad range at a whole lot of price points, and. Look, they're not at those cheaper price points. You can go out and, and buy a wearable that'll do a, a you know, somewhat similar job from a, a, a non-US brand for you know, a, a quarter or less of the, yeah. the the price. Who knows about your data? Uh, but with Google acquiring Fitbit, the the question here is how much of this is about Google getting access to Fitbit's Data ah. and how much of it is about Google just trying to, you know, bulk up what they're doing with their what used to be called Android Wear or Wear OS and sort of bringing these together, gaining market share for their own product. Because okay, when, well, let's, when let's, we look at Google, I mean, yeah. they're they're a data company, right? And yeah. that, that leads into the well, let's just to go the back advertising. a step, right? There's two games in town in wearables, and the two games in town are, are Fitbit and Apple, right? Everything else is an also-ran. Um, to a degree. I mean, I looked at some stats recently, and the, you know the numbers are coming along on some of the other brands. There is business there, even for the likes well, of Garmin. It's it's smaller, but their market shares are growing. Yeah, but it's, they're still also-rans. And, 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 and Samsung, too, with, yeah, with, with their stuff. I mean, but where sure. I was going with that point, right, is it's a bit like the shape of the tablet market was a few years ago, right, where you had Apple with the iPad range. You had some quite nice Android tablets from Samsung and a lot, a real long tail of, you know, indistinguishable not very good android brand tablets right and and the prices could be quite low but, sure, sure but it was and the the watch market is i mean it's not the same shape but it's, there's there's some similarity going on there now what i think is what i think is happening is i first of all i think fitbit sold to google because fitbit doesn't have a long term didn't have a long term future as a independent business yeah it was in trouble it didn't have the the depth of um, finance to you know to be able to basically sit out the next few years so um and really this is this was a from fitbit's point of view this is a terrific exit strategy getting out of the game um, so that's that's to a degree what was going on there's a there's another thing going on here which will i'll get to the question about data in a moment but there's another qu thing going on here which is the big six technology companies and it could be you know we, we could be talking about a, uh, more than just the big six but the big technology mm, companies mm. 
the Amazons, Googles, Apples, Microsofts, Samsungs, Facebook, and so on, um, are actually snatching up a lot of the second and third tier companies. It's been going on now for quite some time. So more and more power, if you like, more and more clout resides in those bigger companies. They're, they're clutching more and more into their orbit. Now, the reason they're doing that is because there's always data attached to these things. And it's and it's basically, it's who's got the biggest you know, data pile because that data doesn't necessarily, the Fitbit data, which, which Google acquires, will be, you know, you will be, stuck into silos and be crawled through by AI bots or whatever for the next two or three years and and lots of stuff will come out of that which will be valuable to Google which we might not be able to imagine right now what that is I mean some of it could be things like um, you know medical pharmaceutical discovery and, and stuff even but but anyway the thing is is that that data is hugely valuable to those companies and they and basically those big companies are just acquiring more and more of it and that's what's really going on here so the fact that it's a watch a wearable is almost neither here nor there what it is is another big pile of data it's another you know few um desert located data centers full of interesting data for these people to get their mitts on and, and, and delve into. So that's what's really going on. There's a secondary story about the Wear OS and, and so on. Mm. And um, and I think that's of interest. I don't know about that. I, th- I think the, um, the, the wearable market, it became mature really fast actually. Mm. Um, and I think we're at that sort of maturity stage now. No, I think there's, there's, I mean, there's certainly a way to go on the technology development. But, yeah, uh, but as a market, uh, it's quite mature. It's certainly, um, yeah, not not as uh, variable as it, as, it, as it was in the past. But the the number of devices still seems to be seems to be growing at a re- yeah. at a, quite a reasonable clip actually. Well, I th- as as the products, as you say, yeah. have matured, they've yeah. got to this point where. Uh, most of them are really good. Uh, waiting on um, to see Huawei's new uh, what's what's it's the this new week one called? Isn't it? um, I think it's it's been yeah just week, just yeah. landing this week in New Zealand, and I think they're talking about up to, up to two weeks battery life. Yeah. You know, color screen smartwatch. Uh, I know a bunch of people. You know, one of the team here who's who's using the uh, the Samsung. Uh, yeah, there's half a dozen brands there that are yeah. that are that are doing okay and are, and are holding their own and still well, growing there. But are they doing sales? okay? You see, I, I'm not sure they are doing okay. See, but the, but here's the strange thing about that. I I really thought you know perhaps there's not much going on there. Turns out right that Apple's watch business would be a Fortune 500 company if it stood alone. It's massive. Yeah, yeah it's massive. Yeah, yeah, yeah. right. But you know you don't. There isn't the excitement about that that there is about other other products, and I th- I still think that to a degree wearables is a relatively niche market. It's never going to get the penetration that phones or um, or laptops have had in the past, um, or at least not in I'm, the. I'm, I'm not I'm not so well, sure. I think well, it, it, will just, it will just it will just keep going today. gradually. I mean, we don't have. The what do we used to call it? The killer app, yeah. uh, that thing that you really need it for. But gradually, I, I think as capabilities get added, battery life improves, these bits and pieces, as it becomes useful for actually monitoring our everyday health, once you join the dots up and your GP's being passed data or the health system is able to access data company, in, a, yeah. in a way that's good for us yeah. or your insurance yeah, company hang on, hang is going to... In a way that's good for us. Well, and, and that, that's the important bit, yeah. right? I mean, I'm not going to wear something if yeah. it's going to make my insurance go up, yeah. but if it brings my insurance down, yeah. then look, if, I, if, if I've got to wear something that will cut my insurance in half, I definitely would. Now, I, you know, I guess it, it depends on a lot of factors, yeah. but the cost of the technology is very, very low, and then you add in those aspects of style and uh, and so on, which you know Apple tends to do quite well, and over time, the other brands move into that space, and I think, you know, it's fair to say most of the vendors actually have some really nice-looking oh, uh, yeah, devices. Oh, yeah, but and, the thing so is that it, I, was, I hadn't quite finished, I was going to say that it's never going to be a big thing in their current format. It needs to, we need... 
I thought I thought we'd probably get there around about the fourth generation, but we're actually on the fourth generation now, and we're, and that's not that's not enough generations for us to get there. So I think I think you know it can do, but it but we're still probably one or two, maybe more generations away from it hitting that tipping point. Mm. Um, however, getting back to the question about about the OSs and so on, Google has this habit right of playing with hardware right the pixel phones right everybody knows that the pixel phones are you know at least as good as any other android phones right but you can't even buy them in new zealand you know they're they're, and google doesn't seem serious about selling them doesn't seem serious about making them and getting them to market um it just well they're a bit of an experiment i mean they're not always yeah, better than all the other than the other devices in, in all areas and yeah they've got these issues now with the the Poor facial recognition, and you know, and the latest, you know, they've yeah, got yeah, problems but, there. But, but you're, you're right; I but, mean, they don't seem that, yeah, that exactly. committed. In New Zealand, in fact, one of our listeners um, messaged me and said, "Well, look, you, you're calling out Google for for you know not respecting their uh, uh, New Zealand customers and not launching here." And and you know, look, I think um, you know, all of the other big international brands are launching product in New Zealand. They're launching them consistently. Google haven't. I looked up, okay, who's the country manager? And then I realised the Google country manager for New Zealand is the country manager of Google advertising business. Yeah. And we also in New Zealand have yeah. someone head, heading up um, their cloud business. Yeah. But there's actually okay, no, well, no one to represent which was their, which was the their, point, their, their which other products. Which is exactly products, where I was right? going with this, right? Yeah. It's because Google is an advertising business. All this other stuff, right, is, I mean... I'm sorry if you're a Google product fan, you know, and the and the stuff is not is the stuff is lovely, but it's it's a distraction to them. It's it's not the business. It's not the core business. I mean, if tomorrow it became the core business, then I'm sure they could actually wipe out whole ecosystems with with their excellent products. But they don't. It's not important. But and there's a there's possibly there's possibly some explanations for that. One is is that no one actually makes much money out of Android phones. And Google is a company which makes 70-80% margins on the rest of its business. They're not going to bust a gut for a market where you're really lucky you might make 5 or 7% on, on hardware sales. So it's just not what they're about. It's They're, they're not – I mean, the, the nasty way of putting it is they're in the market just to toy with us. <laughs> and you know, <laughs> tempt us and toy with us. I think that's. I don't think that's actually the, the truth. What I think is, is I think they're actually throwing ideas out there to see what sticks, and it's also a way that they can learn a lot about their other activities. And some one day they will, they will, you know, chuck something out there which is an overnight hit, and they'll probably go for hell for leather with it. And everyone will follow in their, yeah. in their footsteps. Yeah, I was listening to the mobile uh, mobile tech podcast uh, episode uh, a week or so back around the, the Pixel 4. And yeah, it was interesting. I mean, they're, they're definitely you know throwing some stuff out there that's a bit different. They've got yeah. this radar in there so you can you know use uh, gesture controls. Uh, in order to fit that in, they've had to shrink the battery down so the battery life's not, you know, not yeah. that good. So uh, yeah, they're, they're doing something somewhat different to what everyone else but is the thing, doing. But and, and, sure. the, and the thing is, is that, you know, uh, it, it sounds like I'm being offensive to the people that are their their fans that like their gear, but I'm not because I like their gear. But to a degree, we're guinea pigs, you know, where where they where their test markets. Now, a long time ago, um, when I first um, when I when I was first writing about technology, I remember having a rather drunken American technology executive come to me and he said, "We," he says. You, you might call them early adopters. We call them mugs. <laughs> I mean, he, the, the man had had too much to drink. But, yeah, you know, yeah. He knew, right, that, that they were making money from testing things. And it was, you know, there's, there's a degree of that. I don't think that's actually what's going on with Google. I think Google is literally uh, throwing ideas out to see what sticks and see if they can mm-hmm. come up with something great. The other, this, you know what it reminds me a bit of? Back in the days, um, the early 80s and 70s, Zero Park used to do that. You know, there used to be this bunch of hippies somewhere in California sitting around on beanbags, probably smoking dope. Oh, Xerox. Yeah, yeah. and they came yeah. up with great ideas. Yeah. One of the ideas they came up with was a mouse. 
And another idea they came up with is a graphical user interface. You know, that, that is... And we could be seeing that kind of thing going on with um, Google. That they're actually they're literally throwing ideas out there, and that some of those ideas that are products that we're seeing emerge in some of today's products will actually be mainstream things. You know, five years from now. Yep, quite possible. Now on to on to a, a couple of other things on the on the device front. Quite quickly, uh, Apple's AirPods Pro is the correct name. I keep wanting to call them the AirPod Pros, and no, they're the AirPods Pro. Uh, they arrived last week, and I've been trying them out. And the the thing that uh, caught me to start with was getting them to fit in my ears. Yeah. I wasn't quite sure if I'd got the, the right size, and I was thinking, no, no, that's not quite the right fit. And they come with three... Uh, three tips uh, I guess white sort of rubber or whatever it's, it's made out of and so I uh, I changed down to the smaller size and I thought oh that's 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 a bit more a bit more comfortable then I realized that on on uh, on iOS you need to go into your Bluetooth settings and there's a couple of um, couple of things there but one is quite important is that once you've got the tip on the earbuds and you put them into your your ear, and this is very important for the noise cancelling, um, it actually runs a little test. Yeah, yeah. And it works out whether yeah. there's actually any leakage of of air flow uh, from inside to outside your ear. And then once you've got a, a tight fit, it will let you know. And it actually put me back to what I thought wasn't quite the right fit, which was the medium size. Oh. Uh, and it told me, no, that's that's uh, that that's what uh, that's what fits. The other thing that I uh, learned is apparently. Um, it also um, does an equalisation. You know, when you're on a plane and you, yeah. your ears are popping and so yeah. on. Well, when you put these things in, they, you know, they're blocking air, you know, in your ear, and apparently it will actually balance it out, so you're equalised and balanced both, you know, the, in the air and uh, and and outside. So there's there's some smart stuff that it uh, well, that it does there. I haven't tried these these um, new ones, but I have, I've got the original AirPods. Um, and I've also got some noise cancelling headphones. The noise cancelling headphones, by the way, do that similar thing. You know, they you can do a, a trial run and uh, mm. optimize mm. for the mm. conditions that you're in. Um, and of course, it's the sort of thing you know. You're on a plane, you wake up, put the headphones on, and you press the wrong damn thing, and yeah. you go through the whole equalization all over again. Um, I I think Apple has actually got a hit product. I mean, they had a hit product on their hand with the um, the first ones. And there are there are issues. I mean, apparently the batteries don't last long. You know, apparently that's a bit wasteful. But I actually I actually love them. It's one of those things that I um, took to almost immediately. You know, you you see them, you read about them, you think, oh, I don't know, I'm not sure about these. Um, try them on, and I was sold within about I don't know forty minutes of audio. Very very convenient. The the yeah. the, 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 the sound uh, is good. The noise cancelling for what they are. Yeah, I think is is yeah is very is very reasonable. We've got no uh, no dramas there. Obviously, if you put something big right over your right over your ears, then that's potentially going to well, you know, it is going to give you a better level yeah. of uh, of noise noise cancellation. Um, but yeah, for something that you can just you know pop in your pocket and you've got them with you all all the time, it's it's a little bit like the um, you know. The, the big digital SLR versus the phone you've got in the pocket. Well, the convenient yeah. one is the one you've got with you all the time, and and you know all of these portable earbuds, uh, you know, are, are small enough you can uh, carry them around with you. Yeah, easily. I mean, what I'd really like is um, is some uh, Bluetooth reference headphones, but that's another thing entirely. <laughs> yes, well, anything's possible in the future, Bill. Yeah. Apparently, yeah. Uh, but I'm not sure we'll see. We'll get. Uh, that sort of reference quality uh, audio yeah. anytime soon is something you can squeeze into your pocket. Now, the other gadget that caught my attention was the Mavic Mini Pro from, uh, sorry, the Ma- Mavic Mini from uh, DJI, which has just uh, just launched in the last few days. And this is a drone that comes in 249 grams. So, 
you know, it's it's probably less than the weight of uh, of two smartphones. It's small enough that when you, you fold it out, it can uh, you know you can fit it on your hand, launch it out of out of your hand. Uh, not not the 4K video that some of the higher end uh, DJI drones have. Uh, but coming in, you know, that convenience of being um, smaller and at a nicer price point. So I think we're seeing it launched into the New Zealand uh, market. At, it was something like um, $700 for the, uh, the, the Mavic uh, Mini locally. So is, it, is there a specific application they're selling it for? Is it just fun? Um, look, I th- I've, I think that when you look at, at where these things get used, other than just for fun, there's sort of real estate photography. Yeah. There's, but you know, is, is it, I mean, that's what I meant. Is it usage. good enough for that? Well, I, I, yeah. I mean, from the bits and pieces I've read on, read on it, and I haven't had time to uh, pop into um, DJI Ferntech, who sort of do you know the local uh, distributor, have a look. But the things I've read say it's very stable. I've looked at some footage of it where it's being buffeted around in the wind, but it's still got really good stabilization. (laughs) Um, So even though the drone is actually moving, the video footage is is nice and static and. Uh, and and smooth, so so it's probably you know, all, all sort of small drone applications. Then I, I think it's yeah. yeah, it's it's going to, to me. This will be the you know, it will be a very popular purchase, sort of you know coming towards uh, Christmas. Well, and completely unlike the um, AirPods. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> very um, yeah. I mean, it, it's got some got some good uses. Yeah, There's yeah. a whole lot of scenarios. Um, yeah, a bit more expensive than the AirPods, but uh, what, are, what are we talking? 669 well, not that much um, you know, dollars coming yeah. into the New Zealand market, or they've got their uh, Fly More combo, which is very common with, with, with D, some of the DJIs um, at around $900, and you know, I think that comes with extra batteries and uh, you know, protector things for the, uh, for the yeah. props, so you don't uh, go and get cut by the propellers because it provides a bit of protection and you know case and whatnot. So uh, yeah, that I think this is a this is a product that's going to be in in hot demand. And look, DJI don't necessarily need to be releasing new products all the time, and they don't because they've got such a big market share. But this is one that that really expands the potential customer base uh, for them. And of course, when they release those lower end ones. There's a little bit of uh, potentially you know, losing some sales of the higher end product, but what they don't have on this one is that um, object detection, which is one of the big issues with yeah. drones. You know, especially, I mean, I don't know. My drone flying is a little bit like my uh, my skills at, at at driving games on, you know, Xbox, uh, etc. Uh, I'm I'm not that good at it, and um, yeah, uh, it's very easy to, for a, for a drone to hit a hit a tree or some other sort of obstacle. So yeah, that's really there, the I think the the Achilles <laughs> heel with these uh, yeah. uh, the, these low cost uh, drones, and hence the one we were talking about on the show a couple of weeks ago, which has got this incredible detection. You can fly it through trees, and it will you know it'll just scoot around the things, and it's a, a thousand US dollar um, price, but not being launched in New Zealand anytime soon. So. Uh, yeah, nice, nice, nice. Anyway, to see that that option coming into the market, and well worth having a look at if you've been, uh, you know, waiting for a a, a a drone with a reasonable sort of camera and one that's yeah, you know, it's quite portable to be, uh, yeah, you know, taking about with you on 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 travels etc. Or to uh, do photography. It's one of those things where I completely love the idea, but I just couldn't possibly justify buying. Yeah, <laughs> doesn't mean to say I wouldn't buy one. <laughs> yeah. uh, now on to there's, there's a bit of New Zealand stuff we should be should be talking about. Uh, Spark have turned on their five G coverage across the America's Cup course uh, mm. on the harbour, uh, the Waitemata Harbour. So. Um, they already had, I think, one site in 
one site yeah. in Auckland, Auckland down at the Central, yeah. yep, down at the Grid AKL, where where they've had their Spark Lab for yeah. you know, varying companies, sort of you know dabbling and, and and testing out 5G, and of course that was uh, done in conjunction with Huawei. So this is an extension of that, and what they've highlighted is that this will allow uh, the you know our our New Zealand America's Cup team to rather than a, a difficult sort of offload of all the data that they're collecting off hard drives and you know I yeah. think they were talking about data basically going from from the uh, from the boat to the chase boat over over Wi-Fi so they need to keep the range <sighs> right and then then they were taking it off on USB discs or something to analyze overnight okay, and they'll be able to move this to happen over the mobile network it's just not going to be reliable with wi-fi first thing right? of course just not um look not not unless you keep that chase boat uh really close and you've got someone there to point the uh you know to point it in the right direction right well look i i was i was talking to some people at the vote you know last week's vodafone yeah. 5g function yeah yeah and um the real promise of 5g and and this is something which we've known about for some time but now that it's actually happening and you've got to remember the vodafone launch is probably about a month away now um the real promise of 5g is machine to machine communication which is what spark's talking about there with collecting data from the boat yeah um that's what it's really optimized for that's what it's really good at and that's where it's really going to make a huge difference i mean you, you know it's it's all very nice to have 5g on your uh, mobile phone but you can already down you can already stream cricket from sri lanka on your mobile phone as you're going to work you know on the bus anyway you, uh, you don't need 5g for that 4g will handle that perfectly adequately there's not much for consumers other than virtual reality which is a whole different cut of fish which i don't want to get into right now there's not much that you can do for a consumer with 5g that you can't already do and so, and so in one way in one way or another i mean there, there, yeah. there will i'm sure be uh you know benefits in rural locations well, locations oh, yeah. where you don't get fiber but for certainly instance, with things to, like 4.5 and 4.9 and, so yeah. and so on um but but this level of data collection is precisely what 5g brings and it's and to choose those america cup boats as a showcase for that is actually a terrific you know high profile way of showing new zealand businesses um and industry just what they can be doing i mean one of the most amazing things that i saw last week at that i mean i know it's the the rival phone company but that the vodafone presentation was the idea of you can have a factory where all the equipment is immediately configurable because nothing, nothing is cabled up to the um, to the network. Everything is on a five G network, mm, mm. and in a sense, what's going on with collecting data off the boats and going back, you know, without having to go back via Wi Fi and so on, means that means that the people sitting in the um, um, control centres for these boats can actually deal with the data in real time. So you can trim sales in real time. I mean, yep. with the latency and so on of 5G, um, you know, you can... I mean, I'm, I'm sure that there's some of the decisions to be human-made and some of them will be made by a machine. Mm, but mm. but what you're doing is you're actually being able to um, collect information from the physical world, take it into the virtual world, then send the results of what you've learned back into the physical world. You know, all within milliseconds yeah impressive isn't it yeah it's yeah it's, yeah, it's yeah. fabulous yeah now i think uh it, it's going to be good the re results that we see but it's actually going to take quite some time for all the dots to be joined up and for the you know the, the use case a little bit like you know, ultra fast broadband yeah. and fiber when that first came out it was cool but we didn't have as much of a need for it the more that time yeah. goes on the more that yeah, people people expect yeah. it. We we found, uh, you know, more more reasons to need that sort of bandwidth, uh, more reasons to need that sort of reliability. As as businesses have moved away from uh, servers to yeah, cloud based systems, and well, and, that, and, and, and the other part of that, of course, is that the um, the clouds coming to the edge of the network as well. So um, so you'll see a lot more edge computing 
as a result of this happening. But but as the, the, the real thing about Spark doing that with the America's Cup is it's a fabulously good showcase for the technology and what it can do. Um, and it's you know it's it's interesting because the two Spark and Vodafone are sort of they're talking as though there's a bit of a race between about who's going to get the network out first. I mean, there's a little bit about our network was first, no ours was, in the in the recent announcements. But the reality is is that you know Vodafone has a, has a practical working network or will have a practical working network in cities across New Zealand before Christmas. That customers will actually be able to tap into and yeah. in some form, depending on what devices they have. And, yeah. and, and, and Where, so whereas, yeah. whereas Vodafone, uh, sorry, whereas Spark is actually showcasing it with a specific you know, high-profile example, which is, you know, so both of them have actually got very good strategies here. Mm, mm. Yeah, I think, it's, I think it's good. And look, Bring on the innovation that will that yeah. will that will come. Yeah. Uh, you know, I think Spark's approach of having that having that lab uh, set up early on uh, will will serve them well. Vodafone, obviously under their new ownership, have been able to jump in and uh, uh, pip Spark to the post, as it were, in terms of actually you know getting getting out a uh, a product that's that's available for uh, for people to, to, to start utilising. Uh, but it'll be some time away until we've got that that big mass adoption, until we're able to really draw on all of the promises of of five G. I mean, you talk about that sort of edge compute which they they you know they highlight as being yeah. one of the exciting things of 5g but there's you know i think there's a whole lot of pieces of that puzzle to be worked out in terms of look you know we're used to uh the netflixes and all the different services that we tap into usually sitting in you know certain data centers at the moment and yeah. this idea of some of that uh those systems then Basically, being uh, you know at at the cell site location to yeah. improve performance, and some of them will be um, back at the what was what we used to call the exchange as well. Yeah, it's going to yeah. be interesting to, to to see what those use cases are where it makes sense to to actually have that that computing power you know super close to to your whatever it is your smartphone your yeah. uh, autonomous car or, or or what what have you and where we really need where we really need those things and I think that's, that's certainly some of that is up for debate I mean the autonomous car you know, comes up quite regularly well, as, I, yeah, as, uh, as, Paul, I, as needing I've got, 5g no but I've got a real problem with that right if it needs 5g it's not autonomous <laughs> right. I mean, the, the word autonomous means it's not remotely controlled. Yeah. Right. So, so, well, I, I mean, I'm in, I'm in a in a in a you know somewhat similar camp. When I look at the vehicles that exist yeah. today that do you know autonomous anything, they they generally are able to operate, as you say, you know, they're, they're on their on their own. Yeah. And you need that because we're not going to have 5G everywhere. Now, there's another part of the picture which, well, these things are collecting a whole lot of data and and the, the, the Teslas and the Waymos and so on of this world will want to be sucking that data back and analysing it and improving their AIs. That is something where I can yeah. see 5G could easily be relevant at, at the moment. Yeah. And this is sort of the disconnect a little bit like the America's Cup example. Um, you know, my my Tesla has a level of connectivity to the internet with uh, with LTE. And, but for big chunks of data, download of firmware and things like that, generally that's been over Wi-Fi when I'm when yeah. I'm parked somewhere. Now at the moment they're actually giving away screeds of LTE data because you can stream stream Netflix and YouTube at uh, at Tesla's expense. Uh, and in fact, it's a great way if you want to watch. Um, uh, what was the series someone was asking me about? Peaky Blinders the other day. Ah. You can't stream it on Netflix in New Zealand, Peaky but there's a Blinders. there's an Australian um, homed SIM card in the in the Tesla, yeah. so it comes up as an Australian IP address. So I was, I was accessing it the other day while I was waiting for oh, I family, and yeah. oh, there's yeah. Peaky Blinders series five has uh, popped up, and I can uh, stream oh. it at, at Tesla's cost, which I thought was kind of funny. No, that's, that's, um, that's a favourite of mine. Well, I, I was going to say, but but that's um, the the other thing that I think to the credit of both Spark and Vodafone is the emphasis is very much on those industrial applications and um, and I think that's probably I mean when I was at Mobile World, World Congress earlier this year that's what I picked up is that it's an industrial first 
um, technology. It's really for the businesses. At um, at the Vodafone function last week, there was this great example of a guy remotely controlling a crane, um, and you think, well, that's you know. That's not that exciting an application, but it is because he was doing it from a couple of hundred kilometers away. And the thing was that it had this very, very low latency for the connection, which you wouldn't naturally expect in any kind of wireless communications. There was another good example of a factory which was being run, which we've already mentioned about. There was the the Ego uh, electric vehicle uh, manufacturing facility in Germany. It can be instantly reconfigured because there's no wires connecting the various bits and pieces. That's actually that's that's pretty tempting to me. Like I I can see that. And today, if you look inside businesses, there's a there's a level of Wi-Fi use that's well, kind I was, of okay. I was okay. going to mention just that point because I yeah. asked the guy, the guy who was talking about that, I said yeah. to him, um, you know, uh, speaking away from the speech, I said, mm. but surely this can all be done with Wi-Fi. He said, no. He said, you can probably get about 20 connections from a Wi-Fi network in a factory um, before it just tops out. Right. You, the thing about... 5G is it's one to one, but the you can have the cell site actually in the factory. The factory can, factory will have its own cell site, own internal cell site, and it yeah. may even have its own bandwidth. It will buy a network slice from the carrier, so it's not good. So you know you don't have a problem with kids going by using their phones and suddenly everything stops. It's not going to happen. It's, they're going to be on their own network. So it's. Um, yeah, it's really quite impressive that that's. But that's what five G is all mm. about. What did you mean by the one to one? Because it's still it's still going to be sort of sliced up between the number of users connecting, isn't it? But yeah, but what I mean is is that with um, um, with Wi Fi, you're just it's just broadcast bandwidth. I mean, it's the same. It is the same thing with five um, G, but the way that the way that it operates means that there's actually a direct link between the device and the it's it's just it's basically because of the speed and the um, latency that 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 happens that you're not constantly not everything is broadcasting at once and conflicting. Yeah. Well, well, anything we can do to make yeah wireless communications of devices more reliable, yeah. I think is going to be enticing for people because yeah, there's you know, lots of environments where yeah today where we, we and in fact most business environments where we still have Ethernet cables run because it's most reliable yeah. and it performs best. Now, it, it, it's, it's, it would seem a little bit strange that instead of going over your own network, you might you know, buy a slice of Vodafone or Spark's 5G network to do it. I'm, I'm not sure whether that as would be a, a common reality, but, but I'm very interested to see how well, it no, actually see, plays out. What, work what, what if, you're, if you've got be. a factory, say, in... I don't know, Hamilton, right? You would have your own local cell. You'd only buy in the one cell site. You're not buying access to the entire 5G network. You're just buying local access on one on one site. Um, so, but I, I guess you would be using their bandwidth um, when, when you do it. So, yeah, it's, um, I think it's a way, I think it's also a way that the likes of Vodafone and Spark can get themselves into that industrial um, networking sector. Mm. Going back to what you mentioned about Ethernet, one of the other things that I've seen in the last sort of twelve months or so is fibre to the desk. Yes, and yes. fibre to the desk is yeah, you know, it's the right product for. It's not the right product for these factories, for example, but it's the right product for certain applications. Um, and once the fibre gets to the desk, it's usually distributed around by Wi-Fi at that point. Anyway, the other thing about Wi-Fi though is is that um, Wi-Fi has been, you know, has been the bottleneck, particularly in New Zealand where we've got gigabit internet. Um, I've tested perhaps a half a dozen to a dozen different routers at yes. home. And the best that I've seen is 430 megabits per second on a, any router. And the worst that I've seen is only about sort of 370, 380. So, um, there's, so it doesn't matter how fancy looking your router is, doesn't matter what go-fast stripes it's got on it or fancy sort of robotic-looking multiple aerials and so on. It doesn't really make very much difference. However, um, that's all about to change very soon with Wi-Fi 6, of course. 
I'm sure you've already talked about that one here. Yeah, I mean, it's. We have, we st- I don't think we've actually. Oh, I'm trying to think if we actually tested a, a Wi-Fi six or um, AX ADA two dot one one AX um, Wi-Fi. But I mean, the technology's sort of been coming for a while now, starting to come through, of yeah. course, in our in our newest uh, newest devices and, and and laptops and and so on. So yeah, that will become mainstream, and and it will and you know help from a number of perspectives. I'm not sure it's a. Yeah, it's not a complete game changer, but it uh, it does help. Uh, I saw one of the vendors actually the other day with their with, with their uh, yeah previous generation AC Wi-Fi, you know, um, offering to send through some some review devices, and they were they were talking about um, yeah basically being able to plug multiple Ethernet cables into it yep. so that it could get uh, more than more than uh, gigabit type uh, type speeds. But as you say, it's uh, um, yeah, more, more more common yeah. that you're not uh, you're not actually getting those greater than, than gigabit uh, speeds. Oh, you, now, you, you're be- half a gigabit. But before yeah. before we wrap up, um, Spark Sport. We are, we are now at the end of the Rugby yeah. World Cup. We can you know cry. And you know all of those things about the results of the the World Cup, um, and and you know some some people certainly were making a lot of noises uh, about Sparks uh, streaming, particularly early on. Yeah, but I guess I I'm still in a sort of similar place to uh, to where I was leading up to it, and and that was that look yes. Some people are going to get problems for all sorts of reasons. They weren't ready in time. They got the wrong device. Their Wi-Fi is rubbish. They didn't plug a cable in when they could have, um, you know, etc. I mean, technically it's more complex than an installer yeah. putting a satellite dish on your roof. You wire up to your box and, and uh, you know, th- there isn't so much um, oddities that can go on between that. Um, but I mean, my experience of it was mostly pretty good. I saw the you know the the odd issue, uh, but you know no, nothing nothing too major. I've been using Spark Sport since the Premier League season started. Yeah. Um, I've probably watched far more hours each week of soccer of um, of and of the Rugby World Cup and. Um, Whereas I've been watching the Formula One prior to the Rugby World well, Cup. Well, I was going to say, and with um, and with Sky Go, um, um, the cricket. So yeah, yeah. I probably watch far too many hours each week than's good for me. And I can say, right, that I've seen, I've witnessed probably five to ten minutes of dodgy picture on Spark Sport in all that time out. And that would be a small percentage. Now, I know that there were people that had a real problem on the first night and it was it's a real problem with something that sparks acknowledged but as a journalist i feels kind of bad saying this because i i feel bad about defending sparks so much over this (laughs) as well but the reason but the thing is is the reaction to it was out of all proportion um i've been sitting in rooms watching test matches on sky when the rain kicks in you know the rain fade kicks in, yeah, and yeah. this was this was no worse than that. What I think is really going on is just it's change. People are not comfortable with change, um, and there's probably the the if you think of the bell curve of tech adopters in New Zealand, the biggest rugby fans will be towards the bottom of that bell curve in general. And so I think there's two things going on. I think it's conservatism and change and fear of change is part of it. I also think that, you know, the, a lot of those people signed up right at the last minute, as as you would, yeah, <laughs> as fair. we all would, because <laughs> because I sat down with um, with Jeff Latch, who's the head of Spark Sport, yeah. during the tournament. Yeah, yeah. And I said to him, I really thought running up to the tournament that I was getting fed up to the back teeth with all the reminders about checking your network well clearly they you know what i thought was far too many reminders clearly that wasn't enough and 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 yet that's just human nature i mean the same thing happened in our house the same thing happened when we switched over the um, from the analog tv yeah signals review you know and um i think that i think i think it might have actually been 
for another sports tournament. I can't remember which one now, which we had, I had the very last minute, I had to go and get a, uh, a dish installed so we could watch Freeview yeah. um, for a tournament. So I'm just as guilty of that as everyone else. But, yeah, I think, yeah. but I think a lot of the aggro was just to do with that kind of thing and yeah. not really to do with the technology. Yeah, and look, I've, I felt some of the media were really trying to uh, pile, pile it on. Uh, I went to uh, Microsoft's uh, partner uh, awards event and um, who was it that was hosting it? I think it might have been uh, Meherangi uh, Forbes. And uh, she was just laying the boot and sort of making these jokes about Spark, but not probably clicking. And maybe her speech didn't get checked by Microsoft first. That you know, actually, probably micro, one of Microsoft's you know biggest two partners in New Zealand would be would be Spark. So it didn't 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 go down very well because everyone there was either um, you know Spark. Maybe that was I don't know one and. 10 or 20 people or something uh, and then everyone else you know knew people at Spark well, and, and actually also probably knew that for the most part it was going reasonably well, well and, and the other thing is, is that when it didn't go well the emergency plan kicked in yeah. and kicked in well yeah, yeah. but um, it 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 turns out right that on the night on the night of the um, the South Af- the first South Africa game mm. when the when people had a bad experience um, the numbers watching the Spark streaming service dropped by about five thousand. Yeah, it wasn't wasn't half. much. It was quite a small percentage. But, but there probably have been more people that were affected than that. But we're still probably talking about no more than you know ten to fifteen percent tops of people that were mm-hmm. affected. Well, rain fade. You know, <laughs> that's all I got to say. Rain fade. <laughs> Oh uh, well, good. Good to see lots of competition. Of course, you know Vodafone with the new Vodafone TV box, which is you know is helping to stir things up. And uh, last week we mentioned Apple TV Plus that has arrived. Uh, been having a look, seems to work well. Not a mass amount of uh, content, but it it works. Um, I think we're probably out of time to sort of delve uh, too much into that, Bill. Have yeah, you, I haven't. Tr- I, we probably are, but I, I haven't tried that yet. But I was going to say, the reason I haven't tried that yet is because we're overwhelmed by the number of options now. That's right. That's and, right. Um, there's, there's too too what, many choices and, and subscriptions. I'm not paying for all of them. <laughs> I mean, we, we, well, being gonna, on a on a new uh, iPhone, albeit a, re- a review device, uh, that device linked up to my account and said, oh, you've got a year free. So right. I think what you'll find is that Apple will have screeds of customers because A, if you have to pay for it, it's it's $9.99. So it's not crazy money if there's a bit of content in there you really want. And then there's a whole segment of the market that will have at some point in the you know recent times have bought a new iPhone yeah. or a new Mac, etc. or but a new iPad and they've got that free access. Netflix for Prime, for Neon, for Lightbox, you know. How many of those are you going to buy? Well, the trick is not to pay for them and get them bundled with something well, no, else, which, which I, certainly seems exactly, to be part of the game. I think right? there's going to be some kind of aggregation as well yeah, yeah. at some point. All right. Thank yeah. you, Bill. Great great Welcome. to catch up. Now, where do people track you down online? Um, Bill Bennett with two N's and two T's. Bill Bennett NZ on Twitter um, and BillBennett.co.nz on my website, but it's been a bit quiet lately. I've been busy. You so. have been. I did. I did notice you've been busy writing for others rather than yeah. um, managing to put too much on your on your own blog. But there's there's regularly the, good content. On yeah, these, we're so. heading into the quieter time of the year, yeah. so yeah. that will probably change within days. I think. Yeah. Well, um, a big shout out and thank you to the companies that are standing behind NZ Tech Podcast and making the the show possible as we uh, we evolve the show. We've been testing some streaming today. Uh, I don't know how successful that's been because I've been chatting to uh, chatting to everybody, but I will find out after the show. But we are uh, well, we, we're in the process of moving streaming uh, so that it's not just on Facebook, so that it will also be. Uh, on YouTube so you'll be able to look out for us in uh, both of those places Uh, but thank you uh, to those brands that have got behind the show and are supporting us Uh, Samsung, Sumo Logic Vocus, Spark Vodafone and HP. Now we have managed to um, line up actually uh, Vodafone's local uh, Chief Technology Officer Tony Baird uh, to come and talk to us. Uh, I think that's in the next uh, 
uh, next couple of weeks. So we'll be hearing a bit more delving into uh, 5G from uh, from Vodafone's perspective, and we'll certainly be hearing more from, uh, I'm sure, that the Spark side. Uh, unfortunately, um, well, the reality is uh, two degrees are a little bit quiet on the 5G front. They uh, don't don't have uh, too much to announce on that front, but great to see the uh, the competition there going on between uh, Spark and, and, and Vodafone. Yeah, well, a couple of months ago, it looked like that for Vodafone too. So yes, yeah. it can change fast. It can. That, <laughs> that, is, that is very true. Uh, feel free to follow us on uh, LinkedIn. We, we will be uh, we're, you know, starting to put some uh, bits and pieces up. Up there on uh, on LinkedIn. So if you just search for NZ Tech Podcast on uh, on LinkedIn, uh, you will find our uh, find our our posts added to your feed. All right, thanks everyone. Appreciate you uh, listening in to the show, and we'll catch you again next week. See ya. The New Zealand Tech Podcast, brought to you by Gorilla Technology, proactive and strategic IT.